This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Wednesday, June the 15th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on what's expected to be the hottest day of the year so far. And we're actually going to start with the weather because a heat warning has been issued for the county. Temperatures are set to hit the low 30s by the end of the week and that could make Kent hotter than Portugal, Jamaica, Costa Rica, the Canary Islands and Cyprus. And whilst you might be enjoying the first bit of summer, we are being urged to take care. Well, I've been chatting to Anjan Ghosh, who's the Director of Public Health in Kent. Those people who are young and those people who are older are particularly vulnerable to extremes of temperature, so extremes of heat, extremes of cold. So that is the elderly and that is young children as well, and particularly very young children. And there are some common sense precautions we can take to um, make sure that they're okay. Can you talk us through some of those? What sorts of things should we be doing as parents or someone who needs to keep an eye out on an older relative? Yeah. So it's not just for them. It's also for everyone else as well. Um, So I'd suggest the um, mantra, keep cool, stay hydrated, be prepared. So in terms of keeping cool, it's about, um, you know, drawing your blinds so far as where you're either staying or working is concerned, uh, keeping the place um, shaded um, if it's hotter outside, and the opposite when it's cooler outside, opening everything so that there's fresh air and cooler air coming in. So that's so far as where you're living or working. Um, then also it's about uh, taking common sense precautions like sunscreen, wearing light and um, kind of loose clothing, comfortable clothing, uh, wearing sunglasses when you're going out, having a hat, those kind of things. And obviously avoiding the hottest parts of the day, which is 12 to 3 p.m. really. Um, In terms of hydrated, frequent sips of water would do the trick. So your body doesn't actually uh, tell you you're thirsty uh, by the time it does. It's it's a bit late because you're already quite dehydrated by then. So take frequent sips sips of water. And also be prepared. So this is what this Amber Alert in any case is about. So that is about checking on your neighbours, checking on your elderly friends and relatives or vulnerable uh, friends and relatives, making sure that they've got their prescriptions topped up so they don't land up running in the middle of the heat to get them. Um, Also, same things about giving them the messaging around uh, keeping cool, staying hydrated, uh, stuff like that, and just making sure they're okay so that they're not actually um, suffering from any obvious ill effects. If they are, then you need to call NHS 111 or speak to your GP, so things like that. So it's about really, in a way, community uh, taking care of each other and looking out for each other. Uh, and planning trips as well. So if you're going out, then if at all possible, avoid the hottest times of the day. If you're traveling by public transport, take water with you as well. And and also, like I said before, sunscreen, um, uh, sunglasses, hat, comfortable clothing, 
um, avoiding direct sunlight. Obviously, with little ones, they love to go out when it's sunny and run around and, and they yeah. you tend to get quite hot. It, it can be quite difficult for parents, can't it, to try and get them to, yeah. to sit down and, yeah. and stay cool. Would you have any tips, particularly for those with maybe quite active little ones? <laughs> so it's, again, uh, about staying out of direct sunlight as far as possible. And if they are, in fact, in which they would like to, they'd like to roll around in the grass, play football, all of that. Um, so then basically just make sure there are frequent breaks where they do land up going into the shade as well. Um, and then they're topped up, their hydration, they're uh, drinking water frequently. Um, they're, I mean, obviously they'll be sweating and shouting and having a ball over time, but just making sure that there's, uh, there's that precautionary element to it. And I think the good weather is meant to last for the rest of the week. Obviously, Friday when people finish work, it could be that, you know, the weather is still quite nice and it might last into the weekend. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about the dangers of perhaps consuming a bit too much alcohol when it's particularly hot as well? Because mm. we say keep hydrated but I know alcohol obviously is not the, the best way to do that. <laughs> yeah that's a good point so alcohol is certainly not the best way to do that alcohol tends to dehydrate uh, you, a person so actually drinking copious amounts of alcohol can actually cause the opposite so I know a, a chilled beer on a hot summer day sounds like a real tantalizing prospect but just be doing things in moderation uh, because alcohol definitely is a dehydrator especially when it's really hot. You can also head to Kent online to read some tips on keeping cool during the heat wave and also how to look after your pets while it's particularly warm for that just head to the Kent pets section. Kent online news. Some crime news for you now and a Kent man's been arrested after a 10 year old girl was sexually assaulted at Victoria Railway Station in London. Police shared a CCTV appeal following the attack in a boot store on Saturday. A 31-year-old was arrested at his home in the county and remains in custody. Three men who rigged cash machines in Thanet with technology to steal bank cards have been jailed. They targeted victims in Ramsgate and Broadstairs, including a teenage girl who was trying to withdraw money. The men are all in their 20s and have been locked up for a total of two and a half years. Meantime, a man's been jailed after police found 400 Class A drug deals at a property in Medway. Officers raided an address in Lordswood in January and discovered £4,000 worth of heroin and crack cocaine. We're told the 24-year-old who was arrested ran a county line selling drugs in Chatham. He's been locked up for four and a half years. An update now on our top story from yesterday, which was on the flight that was due to take asylum seekers who've arrived in Kent after crossing the channel in small boats to Rwanda. You may have heard that late last night that flight was called off after the European Court of Human Rights got involved. It followed a day of appeals in the courts over the policy, which has faced an awful lot of criticism since being announced by the Prime Minister during a visit to Lid earlier this year. Today, the government has said it's highly confident the next deportation flight will take off. However, legal expert Joshua Rosenberg says any future flight will have to wait until a legal challenge is heard. And he doesn't think we'll see any leaving next week. Obviously, it would be in difficulties because this isn't going to be resolved by the courts until next month. Uh, But if it is uh, willing to wait until there's at least a decision from the High Court, which I think we would get by the end of July, then perhaps that would 
would be sufficient to comply with the court. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. We've got a follow-up now to a story we first brought to you in the podcast last week about calls for overdose prevention centres to be set up. Now, these are safe places where addicts can take illegal substances and they would be staffed by people who could intervene and give medical help if someone became seriously unwell. The idea is that it's hoped it would save lives because at the moment drug-related deaths are at a record high. Now, Professor Alex Stevens is from the University of Kent and he's the one calling for these. This is what he had to say on the podcast last week. We can't pretend that these people are just going to stop using drugs. We can save their lives and provide this type of support that helps them move towards a situation in their life when they can put drug use and drug problems behind them. Overdose prevention centres provide a space where people who aren't engaged in treatment for whatever reason can very easily access a space where they can be safe and also um, be shown that people care about whether they live or die. Well, now a project worker at a homelessness charity in Canterbury has told the podcast he doesn't think they would work. Paul Todd is from Catching Lives. I've been working with homeless people with drug and alcohol problems for the last 21 years. Over the course of that time, the idea of safe spaces for drug users to use their drugs has come up on a number of occasions and it's never really taken off. One of the reasons I think for that is that uh, drug users simply don't trust them. They think that the services that operate them will be monitoring them or that the police probably won't be very far behind them, keeping an eye on who's using the drugs in the premises and especially where they're getting them from. One of the other reasons I think it's a, a non-starter really is that it's my view that most home, most drug users are likely to use their drugs wherever they get them rather than walk across town get the drugs, then walk back across town to a safe space and use them there. Um, I think it's also likely that there'll never be enough room in one of these places and what you'll have is you'll end up with a lot of people congregating outside. Uh, It'll be a little bit unsightly, probably unsavoury. There's undoubtedly be drug dealers who use them as a a picking up and dropping off point and I think the public just won't tolerate it. I mean, I think they're a good idea in principle, the idea that you know, you've got a space where somebody can use their drugs and if they make a mistake and overdose, then have their drugs, uh, you know, their, their health restored to them is a really, really useful thing. And they have an unbelievably beneficial cost to the exchequer, I should think, probably with the use of uh, police, ambulance, A&E all going down. But at the end of the day, I simply don't think they'd get used. You can let us know what you think by commenting on the story. Just head to Kent Online or message us via our socials. Swale and Dover have been identified today as some of the places most at risk of losing homes and businesses due to rising sea levels. As many as 5,000 properties could be lost in each area by 2050. The studies also raise concerns about Thanet, Medway, Whitstable and Herm Bay. A Canterbury woman has told the podcast she was was made to feel like a criminal after being wrongly accused of throwing a cigarette butt from her car window. Angela Bellas, who's a non-smoker, was approached by enforcement officers at Morrison's in the Winchip part of the city and described them as intimidating. Well, the company employed by the council to crack down on littering say they've now reviewed body-worn camera footage and are satisfied the incident was dealt with professionally. Now, 
NES was given the contract, which started on May the 3rd, and since then, wardens have been able to hand out fines of £150 to those caught littering or dog fouling. The company receives 70% of all the revenue it generates through fines, and the remaining 30% goes to the council. Now, they have issued us with quite a lengthy statement following this incident. It's caused quite a bit of debate on the website as well. You can read it in full and have your say by going to Kent Online. A major piece of research is out today on the impact of the pandemic on Kent. The Kent Community Foundation helps charities and other organisations get the funding they need to support communities across the county. They commissioned the study to find out which groups are going to be in highest demand over the next few years. I've been chatting to Natalie Smith, who's from the foundation. Before we did this piece of work, we're fairly embedded in our in our county, so we've got a fairly good kind of feel for what's happening anyway. But this sort of really just confirmed. Uh, statistically if you like what what we what we knew so the areas of real concern are around domestic abuse mental health um, low income food poverty and um, substance misuse so those kind of five five areas of concern popped up in all of the districts that we were we looked at you know every district across across Kent and and those were key issues of concern um, repeatedly, as it were. So those are kind of our five top areas of, of need that, that we, we're focusing on now. And would you say the pandemic has exa- exacerbated any of those particular areas in particular? I think we're hearing an awful lot more, I don't know whether it's pandemic-based or cost-of-living-based, about food poverty in particular at the moment. Are there, were there certain areas that you think have got worse over the past couple of years? I mean, the, what the data told us and what our... Um, the organisations we support with funding have been telling us is that they, they they all got worse, actually, all of those five areas. I mean, they're all kind of, there's, there's some links between them, aren't there? You know, um, if you're struggling on a very low income, then that's bound to have a negative impact on your mental health. So, you know, there are correlations between some of these the, these areas. Um, so we've had problems, you know, every, every community has problems with these issues to a certain degree, but I think they were exacerbated by... Um, by the pandemic, by the the isolation that people were having to live with, by you know the loss of income very suddenly that lots of people had to had to sort of absorb, um, and then the situation now with the cost of living increase and the cost of fuel going up and the cost of energy going up, that it, things seem to be still quite difficult for a lot of people, and there doesn't really seem to be much sort of. I mean, I don't know if things are going to get better or when they're going to get better. Nobody knows that, do they? But it's, it's pretty tough for a lot of people right now. I know that we spoke to you guys during the pandemic. Obviously, you provided an awful lot of cash where you could to, to um, various different organisations so they could help communities. There was a real effort as well to raise an awful lot of money. How yeah. do you see that sector moving forward, though? Because when there is a cost of living crisis, unfortunately, sometimes charities get hit quite hard, don't they, if we can't afford to, to donate? I mean... Can, do you see that happening as well at the moment? There, there were there were some casualties. It's true. There were some organisations that just um, didn't survive the pandemic because they weren't able to fundraise, as you've said. Um, so their income dropped considerably, and they just, despite some emergency funding here and there, they, they weren't able to kind of make it through. But that that is the minority of cases. I'm, I'm pleased to say most most organisations that we work with um, through emergency and resilience funding through us and, and other funders operating in Kent, they, they have managed to kind of stay afloat and are now sort of 
well over since you know I suppose the last year have been emerging and, and trying to kind of you know return to a normal level of sort of service delivery to the um, the communities that they work within so um so there was definitely some negative impact but I, I think actually it could have been considerably worse you know Community groups and charities, they're very, very resilient. The research has been presented today at a conference that was taking place in Maidstone. Kent Online reports. A Kent nutritionist has accused the government of not caring about our health following the publication of their new food strategy. Ministers have ignored recommendations for a tax on salt and sugar that was made in an independent review. Julie Clark is based in Whitstable. She's been speaking to Ish and says more needs to be done to tackle obesity. As a nutritionist, I feel sad and angry all at the same time. It's We've got a massive, massive problem and we're really failing our children in a massive way. And um, when we look at the, like, we've got such an opportunity now. We've just come off the back of a real big focus on health. And yet, again, we just... We, we just let it slide and, yeah, it, I'm very, I get very, very frustrated and I can really stand on my soapbox about this subject because it's so, um, yeah, I, I just get really angry and sad about it. But I think the, the tax on sugar and salt is problematic in many ways as well because in, in a lot of cases you end up taxing the people that are already struggling to provide food for their families. So that is not necessarily the answer to it. We've made being unhealthy easier and cheaper than it is to be healthy. And that's where the problem lies. So what would you recommend? What should the government be doing? Obviously, you, you appreciate it's complex. And it's not as simple as just taxing sugar and salt. What, what should the government be doing then? Yeah, it, that, again, that's such a massive question. It's we need to come at it from several angles. You know, we know that people are time poor, so and there and, and there's a lot of people that are living in poverty. So when we're looking at food and we've got people that haven't got time to make food, we've got people that haven't got enough money to afford healthy food or don't even have access to it. That's the other thing. Not everybody has access to fresh ingredients. Not everybody knows how to cook. So I think we've got to tackle it from the children's perspective, teaching children about nutrition and nourishing themselves is so important, teaching them how to cook. They don't do it in primary school and we still use food that is not good as a reward for our children. All the time in school, Haribo is used as reward. If there is going to really be a strategy on on tackling obesity, you you mentioned some of the points um, uh, there, but do you think it will require a big shake-up of the food industry as a whole? Yeah, massive shake-up of the food industry. But the problem we've got at the moment is that the food industry do not care about our health at all. And there's no connection there. And yeah, that, that is a big, big problem because until you've got an industry that wants to feed us and, and make us healthy, we're, we're struggling. We've got to, we've got to empower ourselves and, and make decisions through what we buy 
and uh, what we lobby about in order to make this change. But at the moment, the food industry is, they're, they're a business. They only care about profits. The government is instead focusing on increasing domestic British food production and supporting farmers. It seems there's a bit of a battle going on between Kent and Essex over who should get the masts of a famous bombship that when they're finally removed. The SS Richard Montgomery sank just off Sheerness in 1944 and famously still has explosives on board. Board. Well, work is due to start soon to take off the masts, and while some are calling for them to go on show in Sheppey, there's a rival bid to have them displayed in Southend. The Ministry of Defence have told us that discussions are ongoing. And Oti Mabuse's new solo tour is moving to Bromley today. I Am Here celebrates the former Strictly Champions' influences and where she grew up in South Africa. She's already brought the show to Dartford and will head to the Marlowe in Canterbury next month. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram you can also get access to the ad free kent online premium site by subscribing head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe and whilst you're on the site today you can read our review of a pint that costs an eye-watering 12 pounds at a pub in maidstone news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by the fg barnes group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.